Welcome to the Unwritten Life Podcast, where we share that your deepest pain can lead to your biggest gain, and that your story is still unwritten. Now introducing your host, Tim Sawhook. Welcome to the show today, everybody. I'm so excited to have you back for another episode of the Unwritten Life Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tim Sawhook, and I'm very excited for you to join me today for another amazing, powerful episode. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to thank you guys so much for downloading our Halloween podcast we put out last week. Um, It was something completely different than we've ever done before, different stories, but yet it was a lot of fun, and I've got a lot of feedback. People really enjoyed the story, so if you haven't had a chance to, go ahead and check it out. It was the Halloween edition. Like I said, completely different from what we do on a week-to-week basis. But just taking a little break in between, having a little fun, and let people be spooked out by a couple Halloween stories. So check it out when you get a chance. But before we get into the show, here's a message from our sponsor, Exclusive Travel Partners. Are you ready to pack your bags and get away? Let Exclusive Travel Partners help you plan the perfect vacation. From all-inclusives on the beach to your own European vacation or taking the family to Disney World, we are here to match the perfect vacation to your needs and budget. And best of all, our service is always free. Contact us at ExclusiveTravelPartners.com. Mention code UNWRITTEN for a $25 travel credit to use on your next vacation with us. At Exclusive Travel Partners, you are always the VIP. Well, in today's show, we have a story from a woman whose life was forever changed due to a day six years ago. Here's my conversation with Jill Reagan. Well, I'd like to welcome Jill Reagan to the show tonight. Jill, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Thank you. Jill, it is so good to be able to talk to you. Um, uh, we've had a couple of phone meetings and emails back and forth. And obviously, I know Sammy's impact in the community and her story. And I cannot wait for all the listeners to really hear about her story and um, impact that your daughter has made. But before we get into the whole like meat of the story, we're going to start from the very beginning like I do with everybody. Tell me what it was like when you guys, when you met your husband and got married. Uh, let's see. I graduated with my master's in nursing and master's in education and married in 1998. Um, I had dated Bill for about two years prior to us getting married. Mm-hmm. And we waited about a year before we uh, went ahead and tried to get pregnant. Okay. Um, so you guys got, you're planning on having a family all along. You said that. You didn't have a big family growing up, is that right? Correct. I just have one brother. What about Bill? And, and Bill grew up with three other siblings, so they had a tight knit family. They all were within, you know, thirty. Yeah. I don't know, thirty-two months or whatever of each other. Okay, so he did and have Bill a bigger has family. Twin sisters. Oh, okay, yes. twin sisters. Okay. Now you mentioned previously that you guys did not have an easy time getting pregnant. Is that right? That's correct. How long did you guys try to get pregnant before you guys finally did? Um, we were faced with infertility for a couple of years. Um, but then after that, we were able to conceive. Um, we went on a vacation, and uh, right before we had an insemination, we were able to conceive. All right, nice. So you guys finally, after a long time of not being able to have children, are finally pregnant. And what was the news when you found out you were pregnant? 
uh, that we had multiples, <laughs> and uh, we actually, I'm going to throw you for a loop here, we actually had triplets. What? And yes, we were pregnant with triplets. Oh, okay. I did not know that. And um, yes, so um, we were told that about 14 weeks in that the mm -hmm. third baby did not look correct um, in line with the other two mm -hmm. and that we would have to do a selective reduction. So um, not wanting to, but we knew what we had to do. We did a selective reduction on the third baby um, mm -hmm. because it didn't meet the criteria. Let me ask you a question about that. What, what was it like making that decision or even hearing that news at that point so early on? Well, when we were pregnant with triplets, they told us right away that we were pregnant with, with three, and um, they said that's not good news, probably. And they said mm -hmm. um, they were worried about the, my small frame and if I'd be able to carry all three. But then we monitored, um, we were monitoring the three of them, and one had gone off to up to the side, mm -hmm. and they said that that one wasn't growing as much. And um, just the ultrasound they would make and see everything um, mm -hmm. in the testing that they just said that it was more incompatible with life. So we knew at that point that if we did not do the reduction that there's a chance at 18 weeks, a great chance that I would have lost all three. No, it was, it was really hard. And they had only done it at the time. We were living in D.C. and they had only done it at the one place. Um, in Maryland, mm -hmm. and but in the end, we're you know, it was a difficult decision. But in the end, we knew that we wanted to have, you know, children. Right. And we had had such a difficult time. Right. So after that uh, tough decision was made, and I'm not sure how if I could be able to do that, make the decision. How tough that must have been. What was it like the rest of the pregnancy? Was were you scared? Like, okay, we had to lose one to save the other two, were you afraid that you were going to lose another one after that? Yeah, I went immediately into labor after that. Um, after that procedure was done, I went immediately into labor, and they had to put in what was called the cerclage, and it basically just elongated the cervix and sewed it shut, and I had to be on bed rest for the rest of the pregnancy. So that was about probably for about six months. Wow. So during that six months with you and Bill, what were you thinking about the pregnancy? That Were you worried it wasn't going to go full term? Were you praying? Were, what was your hopes in, at that point? We were definitely praying. Um, we had, you know, already had given up one for these two, and I didn't want to, you know, go into preterm labor at all. Mm -hmm. I was a labor and delivery nurse and knew all the you know, repercussions and everything that would, went along with that. So um, at that point, we just just prayed about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had, and uh, halfway through my bed rest, my husband um, at the time, he uh, was moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. So when you finally have go a full term as close as you're going to have and have the babies and you're finally delivered, were they all healthy? Yep. They were healthy. Uh, Jack had to go to the NICU for probably, I don't know, maybe half an hour 
They just mm -hmm. wanted to check on his breathing and okay. he was fine. So we both, we had, we were able to have him in the room right, right from the beginning. And so you had one boy and one girl? One boy and one girl. So Jack and then what was your daughter's name? Sammy. We named her Samantha Grace Reagan. By the grace of God, we had a little girl. Oh, that is awesome. I love that middle name, and I love the reason behind the middle name, too, as well. That is so beautiful. So you have, you guys are playing a family. You have two right out of the gate. You know, it's, I remember just having one out of the gate and terrified and panicking <laughs> because, as we all know, there is no manual for being a parent. And um, so having two right out of the gate, no. what was that like for you guys? That, that was rough. We were, especially when you had those midnight round-the-clock feedings, mm -hmm. we, were, we were both up because we were going to feed one um, right. each. So okay. we, thought, we thought we had it mastered. <laughs> well, I think at that point, you guys just become uh, the best of workmates as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, a relationship kind of goes out the window. You guys are just basically trying to survive. So <laughs> we were, yeah, that is exactly it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you had Sammy and Jack, and then uh, were you guys thinking about expanding your family any further after that? We had talked about it, but we thought that we couldn't get pregnant on our own. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much were like, probably not going to happen. And then, uh, and then we found out uh, eight months later that um, I was pregnant. <laughs> so you you found and, out that and I we found we found out that we were pregnant um, when the twins were eight months, and uh, we had Brian, who was a um, boy, um, in March, so where he was sixteen months almost to the day. Okay. Of, uh, twins being born. <laughs> so you so, guys were busy. We were. We went from man to man to a zone. <laughs> That's the best analogy ever <laughs> for a, a, parenting, yes. a parenting routine. Man to man to a zone. That is awesome. Um, so them growing up together. What was that like? It was chaos and fun. <laughs> they just all got along. There was not a lot of fighting. Uh, we had a great neighborhood to grow up in. Mm -hmm. Kids were all about the same ages. A lot of stay-at-home moms at the mm -hmm. time. Um, with a lot of support. They had such a good relationship with each other. That's awesome. So it did almost feel like you had triplets since yes. you were born just shortly after the others? I think it would have been easier to have triplets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So with them growing up, let's talk about your daughter, Sammy. What was she like growing up? Was she a girly girl? Oh, she was a character. No, she was she was a girly girl, but she was a little bit of a tomboy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she was always in the driver's seat of, uh, you know, they had those little Jeeps around, and she was always, you know, <laughs> bossing everyone around, and you do this, and you do that. And Jack was more of the safety type of guy. You know, Sammy, you can't do that. Mom and dad, this. Um, she was the rule breaker? Oh, total rule breaker. <laughs> total rule breaker. She could get away with anything, though. Yeah, well, it's hard. When you have a little girl, you tend to give them whatever they want. I know from experience. I have one upstairs, and she knows to go shopping with dad, so I understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what kind of activities was Sammy into as she got older? What did she do? 
She got really involved in soccer. She played um, say soccer and then select soccer. And, uh, and then she was in basketball. I was her coach mm-hmm. with, um, and that was fun. And then she was pretty heavily into dance. Mm-hmm. So she was pretty well-rounded sports dance. So she had the girly girl and like the tomboy thing going. Yeah. She had it all going. She had it all going. Did yeah. she, was she very outgoing, have a lot of friends? She had a lot of friends. She was super outgoing. She would, I mean, Bill and I were like, uh, it's it's tough just to have her home because everyone wanted her to spend the night. <laughs> she was so that kind of friend. Yeah, that was the kind of friend she was. So she had a lot of good girlfriends and a lot of good moms. Well, let me ask you this question because I, I know as the story evolves and stuff like that, what was her interaction and in her relationship in the church? Well, um, we got, to, Bill and I got divorced and I had asked the, uh, kids and this seems crazy because they were young I can't really remember the age but probably around first grade Sammy really wanted to go to uh, Rivers Crossing because mm-hmm. it was at the school and she knew a lot of people that were going to that church so I said I would try it out so we fell in love with it immediately and of course they were happy because they weren't happy at their other church right and uh so um, it kind of took off from there, and she just was a little fluttering butterfly over there. And, mm-hmm. you know, said just made a lot of friends and loved the aspect of um, the school, you know, the church school. And it was just, just a really positive experience. Later, she got involved and went to camp, um, mm-hmm. probably around fifth or sixth grade. I think it was sixth grade. She went to camp and um, it was the summer of her, her sixth grade year. And she went mm-hmm. to Bible study camp and um, from the Bible study camp, apparently she has, um, she wrote a, a poem about her belief in God. So she was pretty deep into the church. She really had a love for the Lord. She did. I mean, if I was to read this, this writing to this writing to you, you would be like, wow, that that girl, little girl wrote this was a man just unimaginable. So you were talking about Sammy being really into the church and after going to uh, that Bible camp that summer of her sixth grade year. But as we start to evolve into the story of the podcast and the story of Sammy, do you want to take us into what we're really here about and that day that really changed your life? Sure. Um, my kids were starting to become little skiers, mm-hmm. and uh, it was we had a three-day weekend. It was Mar- Martin Luther King's Day, and we were um, planning on going skiing. Mm-hmm. And so we got a late start. We were supposed to leave early in the morning and stay for half a day, but we got a late start. And um, we started off on our way, got on the I-275, and um, about near the Forest Fair Mall exit, mm-hmm. um, I was going to, I just had this thought to turn around and to go and just go back home. And it, mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't because the weather was bad. It wasn't because my thing, the temperatures were cold and and there was just a lot of traffic, and I just didn't have a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, we had my baby, 
our sitter behind us. She was uh, carrying the girls, and I was taking the boys. Okay. They, the boys went, and they had brought a friend, and Sammy had two girlfriends that went. went. And um, before we had to backtrack, before we put them in the car, I thought for a second, just like an intuition, to put Sammy in my car. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it. Um, I decided to let her to let her go with her friends that she'd have more fun and that they're going to be okay and they're going to follow right behind us and nothing's going to be, I mean, the weather was just cold. I was just worried about it. So I didn't end up taking off that exit. We decided that we were going to go ahead and continue down our path. And um, a little bit after that exit, uh, there all of a sudden was just this whiteout that came Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. And, um, I was trying to keep track of my sitter's car behind us. And I remember there was a car in between us and, um, all of a sudden about 20, 30 feet up, I see two tractor trailers covering the whole entire highway. Oh no. And so, um, we had, I had to make a decision. Do I go right and try to get some time to stop and allow Sam our sitter to stop or do I go left and go into the embankment right so I decided to go right and we just missed the tractor trailer and no one uh, had hit us or anything and um, the baby the sitter had gone ahead and gone left mm-hmm. um, which at that point I was worried um, the thoughts that went into my head was as soon as if I don't get a phone call within five minutes and we don't connect, something's going to happen to Sammy. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, um, that was just what was in my mind at the time. So I frantically tried to call her and the phone was busy. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone's trying to call everyone. So the phones are going to be busy. So I was like, okay, maybe that's why. Right. Um, and so we ended up taking the boys um, out of the car because there was a uh, gas leak right next to us. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted, so we got all of the warm clothes and ran as far. I don't know why we did this, but we ran backwards towards all the cars that were hitting the other cars. So do you want to explain um, that? What, what, what happened that day? Not only because that whiteout happened, and what what happened? There was a big pileup, correct? There was a big pileup. We were beginning of the big pileup. There was a 94-car pileup uh, accident, the biggest in Ohio that we were told. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're up ahead at the beginning of this, and then everyone's starting to hit each other behind you? Right. Okay. So you got the kids out of the car because it was a gas leak, got them some warm clothes, and where did you guys go? We ended up going towards the woods. I kind of put them a little bit into the woods away from all the commotion. Mm-hmm. And um, um, they were at the age where they were smart enough to, you know, to know that if there was danger, they would go away from it. Right. Um, at that point in time, uh, I had to go find Sammy. Mm-hmm. And so I left to go and tried. I, I was screaming, you know, to people truckers who were just standing out in the middle of the road in shock and couldn't um couldn't couldn't even 
listen to what I was saying, let alone, um, it was like a horror movie. It was like you mm -hmm. were, you were all by yourself and no one was, was there to help you. And I couldn't get over to, to the other side of the highway because I couldn't climb over these semis. And, um, I got a call finally from the sitter mm -hmm. and the sitter had said that, uh, Jill, Sammy is, is is unconscious, and they're working on her right now. And oh my gosh! That was like that was like the worst moment of my life because I just knew I I knew mm -hmm. from how I had felt from the beginning of that day. Mm -hmm. So I quickly found um, this truck to crawl over. It went to the other side, and it's all I saw were these large wires. I couldn't figure out why these all these wires were tangled up, and mm -hmm. I was getting tangled up in them. And I was running towards just to the front because I knew they were at the front. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I got to them, I saw that Sammy was um, being worked on. She mm -hmm. was receiving CPR and compressions. And um, a lady had, had taken me over kind of toward the middle of the road away from Sammy. So I never got a chance to really go up to Sammy. Mm -hmm. um, probably the only thing I regret. But, um, well, take a deep breath here for a second. And I, what I want to say right now is that we really appreciate Jill coming on the show today. You know, we um, people have listened to this podcast before. We have people come on. They share some of the hardest moments of their life, you know, and these aren't easy things to talk about. And I just want her to be able to catch her breath for a moment, get a drink and realize, you know, what she's doing is important today. Um, sharing the story and we appreciate her strength sitting here in front of me. You guys don't get to see it, but she's sitting here with such strength and retelling the story, you know, one of the worst days of her entire life. And so Joe, I just want you to take a deep breath and we really appreciate you being here today and doing this, okay? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, you, you are welcome. So when you've got that phone call and your intuition all day long is that you should have had her in your car, you should have got off the exit, and when you found out she's unconscious, did, did you find out why she was unconscious, what had happened to her? No. So um, no one knew why she was unconscious. She was just She was just on the ground, and someone said that they saw her fly through the ground that there was um, something that sparked and she flew through through the air. I'm sorry. She flew through the air mm -hmm. and landed on the ground. I could look over and see that there was a tiny bit of blood coming out of her left ear. Mm -hmm. um, and that was it. Like you didn't see any other blood. You didn't see a grooms, the gruesome area or anything. Right. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I felt like I couldn't move, though. I, I couldn't get myself over to Sammy. The lady was working with me, just trying to talk me through it. Um, mm -hmm. But I was, I was yelling over to Sammy, you know, Sammy, Mommy's here. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to make it through this. This is okay. And, um, but I just still had that feeling that, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm on in the middle of the road, mm -hmm. and I have to make a call to my ex-husband, her dad. Right. 
and I have to tell him what is going on. And so I call him and I tell him that Sammy's on the side of the road and that she doesn't look like she's going to make it. And of course he had no idea what I was talking about. Right. And he says, Jill, she's fine. She's going to make it. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, Bill, I don't think she is. And you need to get here as soon as possible. So he didn't really even know where he was going. Um, Right. Let me ask you a question. Now, you said there was some lady there who was talking to you through it. Was she like a first responder type person or just a random lady who was just there that day on the scene? I think she was a random lady who was there on the scene that day because the first responder stayed with Sammy. Okay. And And were they not allowing you to go be with Sammy? It it wasn't that she wasn't allowing me, but she didn't mother to mother. She was trying to hold me back from seeing what what a mother maybe should not see. And I kind of felt like, no, I want to go up to her and see her. And, but I think she was trying to do what was right for, you know, what, what she thought was right. And the moment, right. Okay. So after you contacted Bill, was he able to even get through after that big massive pileup to even get there? No, he didn't get through. Um, he ended up, I had a friend who knew the back roads to the hospital. When I found out what hospital we were going to, they all kept in communication with each other and mm-hmm. left me out of it. Um, the ambulance finally arrived. Um, but just prior to the ambulance arriving, I had this um, another feeling like from from God that there was a seconds where the sun came out. Mm-hmm. And you could feel the warmth on your face. And I just felt like someone was speaking to me and telling me that she was going to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I looked over at Sammy and I saw that sunshine and it just, it felt like it was probably, it probably was all of two seconds, but it mm-hmm. felt like it was probably 10, 15 seconds. Right. And, um, I and then the cloud the sun had gone away and the clouds had the snow stopped and the clouds had come back and it, and I just knew that she was gone mm. at that point. So with that feeling after kind of hearing that message to you the sun opens up you see it on her you're feeling it on your cheeks that she was gone what was it like at that moment feeling that I felt at peace for a moment Mm-hmm. Um, that that I knew that there was a higher power that I felt this whole entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, we the the ambulance did go ahead and take her in um, to do you know to the to the hospital, mm-hmm. and they uh, ended up working on her. We saw that she had a broken leg. And she didn't have any um, brain activity. And they, um, they had to pronounce her before her dad got there. Um, so that was, that was hard, too. Um, I, I can't imagine how hard that would have been. Um, yeah. With your, you know, you're trying to race there as a father to be there. You know, and, as a, and I can just speak as a dad. As a dad, you want to be the protector of your kids. 
Um, right. You know, especially a daughter of both of my children. I love them both, but of my daughter, I'm more protective of her and I want to be that protector and be there and try to save her from whatever. So I couldn't imagine Bill rushing there and not being able to, first of all, make it. And second of all, protect her in that way. Right. Yeah, that was hard. Um, and then uh, our kids came in soon after mm-hmm. um, the boys did. And um, Brian did not want to see Sammy. He wanted to remember her the way that she was. Sure. And he was little. And Jack was, um, he wanted to see his twin. Sure. And to say goodbye to her. So when Jack decided to make that happen, did you go in with him? I had his dad go in with him. And what was that like for Jack to be able to have that uh, moment with her? I think I think it was his connection that he had to say goodbye to her. I think it, he didn't show very much emotion. Sure. Um, cried a little bit. Um, you could tell he was holding it in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, five, six years later, he writes an essay for college and uh, outcomes exactly, you know, what these years have meant to him and how he has felt. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he felt rage and he felt that it was unfair uh, mm-hmm. and he didn't understand it in the biggest loss that he's had, you know, you win and he, sure. said he, he had that kind of feeling with her. Mm-hmm. And he he still has that feeling with her to to this day. That connection with her, this bond, yeah. So I want to talk to you from my perspective of that day. We heard on the news about this pile up, and that that somebody had been injured. Now my son is the same age as Sammy and Jack. They went to the same school. They still do to this day. And so I think there at that one point from the school had been maybe an all call to the parents uh, that, okay. that Sammy had passed away due to an accident. Um, and I remember sitting with Luke and talking to him, you know, one of your classmates, you know, had been in this accident and had passed away and seeing his face and not really knowing how to process that, um, you know, obviously being the same age as Jack and Sammy and what that was like in, uh, I, I still remember his face to this day, totally in shock and not knowing, was this real? Is it, did this really happen? It, you know, I just saw her at school and saw Jack and everybody. And um, that's when it started to kind of trickle out and start to affect the Kings community at that point. Do you remember hearing from people after, shortly after that time? Yeah, I, now it makes sense. If there was an all call that went out. Mm-hmm which I deeply appreciate that there was. Uh, we had people at the, my, our closest friends meet us at the hospital. I didn't mm-hmm. know how they found out. Uh, we had people calling different phones and, you know, asking what had happened to Sammy and is she alive or is she going to be okay? Mm-hmm. So it, it was soon after. And, 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 I mean, the first person that I remember texting me is Sammy okay? Was was within minutes? It seemed like ten mm-hmm. minutes, maybe max. And so, yeah, so that news has started to trickle out. Can I ask you? Can we go back in the story just a few minutes? Yeah. Could, so, what did happen to Sammy that day to that made her get injured 
when you didn't even know what had happened. So I later find out that the there is wire. There was a wire uh, fence there the on the side the side rail the side mm-hmm. guard the guardrail that had wire on it, and the impact of certain of the cars against that wire had loosened that um, that wire basically, mm-hmm. and this truck came and hit the wire and with all that pressure the wire ricocheted and hit the three girls who were Mm. hit the three girls and sammy was hit in the back of the head and so wow that's where that's where the wires came from Mm -hmm. i couldn't figure out and couldn't get through yeah she was hit right in the back in the brainstem and so that's when they had realized when they got to the hospital that she did not have any kind of brain activity at that point. Correct. Uh, So the only thing that we could donate were her eyes. That gave me notice that, okay, then she's been, this didn't just happen. She's been dead for a little while. Was that your knowledge as a nurse knowing that? Yeah. Yeah. Because you would need blood flow to your, all of your organs in order to be able to donate those. In the days that followed, what was your reality like? Uh, it's very stoic. Family came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was just in complete shock. I think I was more worried about Sammy's body. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew I knew that she would have to spend the night in the uh, morgue of the hospital, right. which upset me. Um, by the time I, they got her body over to the um, home that made me feel a lot better that was quickly done the next day um, I was able to spend time with Sammy and as much as I could and uh, my friends and I were able to do her nails uh, mm-hmm. her toenails and um, spruce her up and do her makeup and do her hair and um, I, I wanted it, I wanted to be there for her well, I imagine you did absolutely, and you you wanted to take care of her as a mom at the very end there, knowing that she wasn't left alone in the hospital anymore, and you had her there and to make her look pretty and beautiful for that final time with you. What did that mean to be able to have that final time with her to be able to decorate her just like a mom would and uh, make her look beautiful? I couldn't. I it's it was it was wonderful. It was. It was beautiful that we were able to do that, mm-hmm. that they gave us the chance to do that. Um, it was great to have my friends there to support me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was taking taking care of her like I always would. Let me ask you a question about Sammy. I mean, she was a young girl. She wasn't that tall, right? How tall was Sammy? She wasn't that tall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She was a four foot something she was a little thing <laughs> so is being with your kids growing up you don't think about like what kind of impact are they making on other people in this world you know you're just living everyday life with them you know and just doing life with the children um what was it like to find out after that she had passed away what impact she had made on all these people's lives first starting just with I remember hearing from the people at the church that a bunch of kids, her friends, went to the church that night, and they had that special area just for the teens. 
And yeah. I know a lot of them went there just to kind of feel supported together in the community. How soon, shortly after, did you realize, oh my gosh, my young daughter, who is four foot something, has made this amazing life impacting impact on other people? When did you first start to feel that? Uh, after the hospital, um, after the hospital that night, I had gone to Rivers Crossing mm-hmm. and to try to find, I don't know, a little bit of peace of peace myself, see if I would see Pastor Paul there or somebody that I knew. And out came pouring these people out of a room who had just done a vigil for Sammy. Mm-hmm. And no they just passed by me i don't think anyone saw me i I heard people crying hysterically Mm -hmm. um and there were a lot of people there and a few people saw me um but that's when i began to understand that that so many people loved her for her Mm -hmm. and who she was um i think the real impact came on the day that we had her um, shown, uh, it was a celebration of Sammy, and I think the calling hours were going to be for like four to seven. Can I and, can I jump in here about yeah. this real quick? So yeah. yes, the hours were four to seven, and okay. I remember Luke. He really wanted to go, and I think one of his friends, um, I think Dylan Freibert, I'm sure you probably know him. Yeah. He, yeah. He also wanted to come, so he came with us, and it was Leslie, my wife, and my daughter. And I remember thinking, okay, we're going to get there like around 3.30 so we can get in line and you know, and go through and be able to see Sammy and pay our respects. The time we had got there, that line was already, I think, three hours deep as far as how long it would take to get to Sammy. And we were. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, who was this little girl? You know, um, Where are all these people coming from? And so what was it like for you to see that? That was unbelievable to see that. It's something that holds me tight uh, now just to know mm-hmm. that that many people showed up and we were knee deep in and, and Pastor Paul kept coming over and giving me water and saying, you know, mm-hmm. do you want to continue with this? And I said, if, if this, this is okay, yeah. Like it, it gave me strength. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can't imagine those people. I didn't want that line to ever end because it meant that I'd have to say goodbye. Right. Well, you know what? Let me tell you about the impact she made on us then. Um, it's not that, I mean, my, my dad's a pastor and we've grown up in church and we had been through another church before Rivers Crossing. I had never been in the building before, except for when it was a movie theater back in the day. Um, right. And so when we got there that day, my wife and I and our kids we were not just impacted by Sammy and the amazing outreach of the community there in the church, but the people there, the leadership, Pastor Paul, the um, welcoming feeling from everybody. Because when you stood in line for hours, so eventually, you know, you you, you know, you run out of things to talk about, and then you know, everyone's <laughs> kind of real quiet, and um, you know, they don't know what to do or say. And it, the people who were so welcoming there and so reassuring that not only did we come back to go to church, we still attend church there to this day. Mm-hmm. And Sammy brought us there, you know, and I wouldn't beg for any of my children to have to pass away to bring somebody there. But 
the impact that she made just on us that day is everlasting. Um, our kids are, my son's the same age of Sammy would be today. And as your son, Jack, and yeah. you know, and we're still there today because of Sammy and because of her impact. So I wanted to tell you, thank you for raising such an amazing daughter for her loving the Lord so much and impacting so many people in that community to come out. And I can't imagine how many people still attend just because of that reason. Yeah. We, we heard a lot of stories like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it is amazing. And I think it brought a lot of people back to church and to, back to God or to God. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question along those lines. Sammy has made this amazing impact. You have thousands of people who turned out to come pay your respects to you and see Sammy off. And here, you, here is Sammy making this impact in the community and bringing people to church and bringing people closer to God. As they're getting closer to God and feeling all this trust and stuff, what are you feeling in your relationship to God? Do you, are you starting to feel cheated? Are you feeling closer to God? What happened with your relationship at that time? I'd say my relationship at that time for was closer to God. Mm -hmm. um, I believed what I had seen and heard and thought in my gut and mm -hmm. learned that, you know, really your gut is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Right. And, you know, I wish I would have known those things then. But so at first I felt like I was getting closer mm -hmm. to God. Um, and then I began to question. It's hard to be the mother or father or I'm sure sibling of uh, Sammy because you know, it seems like all of a sudden everyone knows who you are and you don't know who all these people are. Right. Um, and I, I began to question not so much, you know, I was really good about not questioning the why. Right. Um, I always believed that there was a purpose mm -hmm. and that she wasn't taken in vain and, you know, through finding her remarkable poem, um, you know, she, she definitely, uh, I guess, I, I guess I questioned more. I've questioned more of it probably in the fourth to fifth year right? than I did in the beginning mm -hmm. because you, because those people, you know, people's lives go on and right. you know, you're trying to make your life go on. And, but every day you have this you have this on your, on your heart. Mm -hmm. Do you start um, to feel like when you're the parent of um, someone who's lost a child that you're almost wearing a scarlet letter anywhere you go, that people kind of know that and see that on you at all times? Uh, sometimes I do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, sometimes you just wish that you could go back and just be Jill, you know, and, and have Sammy and your three kids with you and, how life would have been. Um, yeah, I, I imagine. Issue. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I imagine you start to lose a bit of identity because you used to be Jill, the mom of your kids, but now you are Jill, Sammy's mom, who Sammy had passed away. So you have these two different distinctions instead of the identity that you once had. You kind of have the identity that everyone puts on you. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. Is 
as the days moved on from that and the months moved on and you know and like you said people's lives move on as well you know not everybody's lining up for hours each day to talk to you about sammy and you're with your thoughts and things like that what did you and bill do to decide that hey you know she didn't die in vain she died for a reason you know it brought people together but how did you guys want sammy's name to be carried on we want people to always remember her um you know we we did start we started a foundation Mm -hmm. and in her name and we just want people to uh always remember her um you know for the girl for precious girl that she was here for 12 years right and you know there's there's still her very good friends that you know, continue to show remembrance of her. Um, the school continues to show remembrance of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those things are fantastic because we just don't ever want anyone to ever forget her. Right. Well, let me let me speak to that. Um, I had someone on an episode in my first season called Taylor Moliterno, and she talked about uh, having her baby, Frankie Joy. She was born stillborn. She had to deliver her stillborn. But she talked about how important it was for people to say her name. Um, And afterwards, you know, no one wanted to bring anything up. And she was so adamant about say my baby's name because it wasn't that I had a daughter. I still have a daughter. Her name is Frankie Joy. Just like it's not that you had Sammy. Sammy is still your daughter today. That doesn't change. And it's so important, like you said, you don't want the memory of her to go away. And how important is it and how happy do you get when people talk to you about Sammy and you think about her and you get the smile? Oh, so happy. I'd much rather have people talk about Sammy than, than to shy away from they think that they'll hurt me or say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question about this. In that episode I spoke about before, she was really good about talking about these specific things. And one of the things she talked about was being isolated because she said, when it came to people having happy news about their life, they didn't want to share it with me because they didn't want to hurt my feelings or they just didn't want to talk about it. So they would ignore me on certain things. What would you say to people if they're, you know, you lost Sammy, you're in this position of, of course you're sad, but now you're even more isolated because you've become a, a member of a club you never wanted to be part of before. What kind of permission and language can you give to people who want to approach someone who's lost a child what could they say to you just to be part of your life, be part of a conversation? You know, ask how you're doing. You know, maybe um, talk about it's It's difficult because of where people are in their lives with things. But, you know, talk about, talk about that. Mm-hmm. Talk, to, talk about, I'm sorry, talk about the fact that, you know, that there was a Sammy or there still is a Sammy. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how are you doing? And instead of not saying anything. Right. Because not saying anything means that I don't know if you've remembered her. I don't know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it just makes it harder. Right. I don't expect people to walk around all the time talking about Sammy. Right. I mean, I feel very fortunate that the people that, you know, that are my close friends do 
do still talk about Sammy quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Sammy in our house a lot. Sure. Um, but the advice, I, I guess, I don't really have some great advice. <laughs> well, we're just speaking to your advice just for you, not for the rest of the world, just for what it means to you. Yeah. I guess just acknowledging, you know, Sammy's mm-hmm. been gone for six years. She would have graduated. <clears throat> she would have graduated this year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let no. me, while you're thinking about that, let me talk to you about that. First of all, and let me just say, kind of rephrase what you were saying that you're, you're pretty much saying the silence is worse than you, anybody bringing her up to you, the complete silent treatment of almost like she didn't exist. The point of just talking to you about Sammy and bring her up. That's what you want to hear, right? Correct. And let me, I want to ask you about that because like I said, my son's in the same grade and here we are prepping college essays like you talked about Jack writing about his experience with his sister and his twin and they're preparing for this next step in life and graduation coming up how are you handling that knowing that one is it is moving on without the other and um Sammy's not here to enjoy that special moment of graduation uh, um I take it I, this year I've handled things a little bit differently. I'm more on top of things. I get things done a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I've reached out already about her scholarship that we give out to seniors. I, I know that graduation is going to be very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And leaving high school is going to be a different phase. And I'm just trying to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Because her friends will be in college. Right. They won't, they won't be here. And Jack will be in college. And it's just Sammy was, Sammy's life ended in school. Right. And didn't make it to high school. She made it to sixth grade. So the ending of all that support and spirit from the kids in that grade will be probably the most difficult to handle. Are you worried that a new generation of kids are coming up and moving on are ever going to know who Sammy was? I don't, I don't worry about it because mm-hmm. there's some kids coming up because I'm a, I'm a school nurse in the school district. Mm-hmm. And so kids know my story and they carry on Sammy's name through like right now fifth and sixth grade mm-hmm. you know seventh eighth they all they all knew of her good of the situation so i don't really fear that but i you know i know that um it, it, it's going to be different sure right and i imagine i can't well i won't say i can imagine i can't imagine what it's going to be like um Especially, like you said, you had two of them who were supposed to be doing the same thing. So I'm sure it's a sharp kind of pain every time there's a big milestone. You know, one gets a driver's license, the other one would have, you know, one goes to prom, the other one didn't, things of that nature. I'm sure each one's a new kind of rip the Band-Aid off situation for you um, and something new that you have to deal with each time a a new milestone occurs. You know, one thing that I learned... um, just recently, mm-hmm. I Jack had his senior pictures taken, and the pastor who took the senior pictures was is from Loveland, and he mm-hmm. um, he wanted to incorporate Sammy 
Mm-hmm. So he sent this picture, amazing picture of Jack holding this frame with Sammy's big smile in the frame. That's awesome. It was her picture. So we incorporated her into things like that. You know, Jack wears, Jack and Brian wear her bracelet. We have uh, bracelets made and you can see around the community when the kid, when the people wear them or the kids wear them. Yeah. And we usually make them every year for, for people. But when, when they're at, at prom or dance, you know, we think of Sammy. We bring it up, and they wear those bracelets in honor of Sammy. And it just makes you feel like Sammy, okay, you know, he's with, she's with them. Right. And you know she's with them, but it just is this monetary little thing, piece of rubber that just lets you know that, you know, she is with them. And they so, can look down and, and look at that. Right. Was it special to see Jack? become the homecoming king and know that Sammy was there with him along with the bracelet <laughs> being part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just amazing. The whole weekend was just amazing. That's and awesome. She, and I said, go follow Jack. And <laughs> she, you know, she followed him and she definitely was with him that night. That's awesome. Um, so you talked about, let's talk about impact of Sammy's life. And you told me that you guys do a scholarship each year. Can you tell me just a little bit about the scholarship, what it's like, what's it for? Sure. We give uh, two scholarships out. They're $1,000 a piece. Um, and they go to one boy and one girl who have the characteristics of Sammy. Um, uh, um, who have the characteristics of Sammy, um, for instance, being nice to others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just going up to somebody and if they're not having a good day, kind of, you know, go up to them and talk to them and mm-hmm. not leave people out. Things like, uh, no bullying, things like that. So, um, and they write an essay of, uh, this year's candidates. We changed it this year, mm-hmm. write an essay about how Sammy has changed their life because they, we know that this group obviously knows Sammy. Right. And so we want to know how Sammy impacted their lives. Oh, wow. So. That's awesome that you guys are able to do that. And then can you talk about Sammy's place down in um, South Lebanon? Yeah, Sammy's place was um, started by Joshua's place. Mm -hmm. It was created by Joshua's place. And it is uh, a tutoring center uh, for adults and kids and an educational center. Um, That's awesome. For in, impoverished people, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to go so, and see. And that's amazing that she you're able to make that impact with that scholarship each year, and also having that place that people go and are always going to be saying Sammy's name, always going to see Sammy's yeah. place, Sammy's place over and over again. Well, Jill, you know, you coming on today and really being very raw, being very vulnerable and emotional, and sharing this very hard story. You know, no one can take that away at all. But the fact that you're able to come on and share Sammy's story and her impact that she made in her life and then the impact that she's still making with the scholarship, with Sammy's place. And the question that I always ask everybody at the very end, and, you know, this is, even though it's been six years, it probably still feels like yesterday. But if you could offer any bit of hope and encouragement for somebody who's going through something like this right now or just went through it and it's very raw and they're kind of lost right now. What kind of hope and encouragement could you offer them right now? 
strength comes from a higher power and within oneself. And I think with the belief with the higher power, you grow so much more. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that when I was, you know, I'm starting to come back to God because I did have a little anger uh, mm -hmm. issue with with why sure um, it did it it did surface and uh, and now when I go back I I realize that you know there is a higher power and if, when you follow that higher power it's just it seems a lot easier to get through the days because God God can heal you He's really the only person that can heal you you can go through things and you can go to therapy and things like that that will help you get to that point mm -hmm. but never lose hope but don't lose the faith seek it out wherever you can mm -hmm. tell your story you know don't 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 hide someplace and and let it get to you it's you gotta you gotta go out there and tell your story and get up every day even if it's just to go to the grocery store and buy some food to make for dinner that night. Mm -hmm. But you have to get up every day. Well, I love that. I think that it's so powerful to rely on that higher power, rely on God, because like you said, he's the only one who can heal your heart and really start to mend your life back together again when you suffer such a great loss like this. Joe, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight and sharing Sammy with all of us not just your story and not just the hard part, but sharing Sammy with us and uh, just to say Sammy Grace, cause you had her by the grace of God, had a daughter. I think that is amazing. Um, Jill, if anybody wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of you and hear a little bit more about your story or uh, get some advice on how to get through this, how can they get in touch with you? They can, e they can email me. Okay. What I'll do is I'll take that and I'll include that in our show notes for when your podcast goes live. So people okay. can reach out to you. I, yeah, I love that. That would be amazing. And I, I can tell you from all the people who are on my podcast, they do have people reach out to them afterwards. And um, that really means a lot to them to know that their story is making an impact and it's just not a podcast release and nobody hears about it at all. Um, again, Joe, I, I really appreciate you. Like I said, come on on here and being so vulnerable with us and uh, taking your time to share Sammy and keep her name alive and to sharing that amazing impact she made on others. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I can't be more thankful for having Joe on the show today. What an amazing story. What an amazing testimony. And I really appreciate her time, first of all. And second of all, for coming on, being vulnerable, being open, and sharing that raw story about her loss of Sammy. But to also share Sammy's story as well. And as I wrap up the show today, I was really taken back by the story, even though I knew it. But to hear it again through her eyes, through her words, what it was like that day. And you can tell by her emotion in the story that it still was raw, real, and powerful today as it was almost six years ago. And when she shared Sammy with us and her impact that she left, it just made me think about all the times I hear about kids who are lost so early. You hear a lot about with childhood cancer, you know, people were taking accidents like this. And it's always the ones, you always hear people talk about them like, oh, they were the nicest, they were the sweetest, they had the biggest heart, they had such a wise soul, an old soul. And God says that our children are on loan from him to us and that he can call them back anytime. And I feel like the time that these children are here with us, they are here 
to make us live a better life, to leave an impact on our life, and to share some of their wise ways with us as well and how they live. And what Sammy did is she was a bridge to God for so many people. You heard it through Jill talk about that. Did she not only brought people back to God, she brought people to God and to church for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever. And when we talk about our kids, anybody who has children, what do you want? You want them to leave a legacy, right? You want them to have a make a difference in people's lives to make their life matter. Well, Sammy, at that young age, she made more of an impact than most people who have lived a full life. And that was testament when people showed up to see her for that viewing. Like Jill said, there were thousands of people who came through. That line was never ending for hours and hours. And why? Because that one young girl, Sammy, made a life-lasting, life-impacting journey here on Earth. And we can't be more thankful for that. And not that it makes the sting any less of losing your child, but to know that your child made an impact while she was here and that God really used her to help others is just absolutely amazing. Now, during the podcast, you hear Jill mention that poem that she found of Sammy's in her room. And I asked Jill if I could have the permission to share it, and she said, absolutely. So she sent me the poem, and I wanted to read it to you guys here today. It reads, I am free. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am included. Who we are determines how we live our life. Who we believe we are determines how we live our life. I have my own opinion. God's word is truth. Satan is full of lies. Satan is lies. Our mind is a powerful organ that God gave us. Sin keeps us from God. Words are powerful. In Christ, I am free. God will always forgive you no matter what. Think about the positives. I believe you are my savior. I want to be free. Act right. Don't believe the lies. They belong to us because we belong to Christ. Ephesians 1.11, I am chosen, you are chosen, for something very important. Your job is to introduce people to Jesus. God's plan includes you. Look at your friends and see the future. And lastly, she says, I love God. Jesus is our Savior, God. I am chosen for a unique destiny. We have redemption through our blood. I am included in Christ. In Christ, I am included. In all capitals, she says, I am a game changer. I do not want to be excluded. That is just absolutely amazing and powerful. And like I said, these people that we lose feel like they have these old souls. Did you hear what she was saying? There are so many people who do not have that spiritual maturity in their life at age 40, 50, 60, 70. And this young 12-year-old girl, look at the walk that she had with the Lord. Look how much love she had for the Lord. And like she says, I am a game changer. And that's what she was. For the time that she was here on earth, she made an amazing impact with her friends, with her family, with God, with people after the fact that she was gone, she led them. Like I said, she was the bridge to God for so many people. And as a parent, that's what I want. I want my child to be known as a person who made an impact, whose life mattered, and Sammy's dead. And so today as we wrap up this episode, don't forget that name, Sammy Grace Reagan. She is here. She is never to be forgotten because her impact is everlasting. Guys, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today, for downloading it, listening to it, and really being part of Sammy's story and keeping her name alive and stronger than ever. 
I am going to put it in our show notes, so make sure you check that out at unwrittenlifepodcast.com. It's going to be a link to the Sammy Reagan Foundation where you can make a donation to. Um, contact information for Jill if you want to touch base with her and hear a little bit more about her story as well. As always, the conversation is going on on Facebook at our Facebook group, Unwritten Life Podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Unwritten Life Podcast, where we have pictures of Sammy and different people who have been on the show. And also, if you want to be part of the show, if you want to share your story and make an impact, please reach out to me at tim at unwrittenlifepodcast.com. I would love to hear from you. So guys, we've come to the end of this story, but this is not the end of your journey, not the end of your life at all. Remember that you matter. Like Sammy, you can make a difference and that your story is still unwritten. <laughs>